I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real life lessons and people doing cool shit. Hi, welcome to another episode of Curious Conversation. Sorry, I thought we were testing the microphones for a second. Oh, really? I was like, yeah. that was a bit of a like a weird Hello. Uh, how are you? What's up? Welcome to another episode. Thanks. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. What a start. People are like, whoa, we. We're actually sitting in the car recording this intro, so it's a little bit scat. But we firstly check in how is everyone this week? How am I? Yeah. <laughs> and everyone else, ask yourself how yeah, you Ask are. yourself, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm working on like, you know, instilling healthier habits for myself. Yeah, which we spoke about on the podcast I think, and last week. Do you know what? Taking everything a little bit easier, like not setting an alarm, doing a lot more from home and I don't know. Just finding joy yeah. in the little things, you know? Heaven. That's good. How are you? That. I'm good. The sun's shining today, which is nice. I I'm feel like here for yeah, it. Yeah. Spring is finally here, which is great. Mm. I'm so looking forward to spring and summer. Um, I've had enough of – it's just really embarrassing. People are walking past. Um, I've had enough of winter. That's fair enough. You're not embarrassed. A lady just walked past me. We've had full microphones. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Anyway, Dad, let's get straight into the podcast episode for this week. Who do we have on the podcast? We have Benny Lifts. And I'm going to call him Benny Lifts because I didn't know his last name until I um, asked him. And we've known Benny for quite a few years. Yeah. So we when we've spoken about Strong Girl Camp and mm-hmm. RBT before on this podcast when we used to train there. And he was one of the trainers at RBT. Yeah. And so I reached out because obviously we were chatting about protein, how much protein should women be having. You had questions about casein and whey, what's the difference? And we just wanted an overall like what should we be eating for our health and to better our lives because if you're eating well and you have a really good foundation of nutrition, Mm -hmm. that's a ripple effect in your life. Yeah, and we also spoke about he's got quite a good background in regards to supplements. So we mm-hmm. found out, like, you know, fish oil and all that kind of stuff, which I found really, really interesting. Um, so it was a really great episode. We speak a lot about hormones. Yeah, hormones, supplements, just health, well-being, a lot of, like, food because we're, like, a lot of females do under-eat. So um, it was all very interesting. And I also – there's one takeout of this episode that I loved is I have to go buy that Atomic Habits book today oh. because he speaks a lot and it makes so much sense. He speaks a lot about behavioral habits and how to change. And it, when he was talking about that, I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. I sent your podcast and I remember we were in Queensland on our summer break last year and it was James Clear on the diary of a CEO. It's still probably one of my favorite podcast episodes yeah. I've ever listened to. I don't know if I actually end up listening to it. I have to listen to it now, but I just thought that was so insightful for me. Mm. Um, 
like, you know, talking about cravings and your behavioral habits behind cravings. You're not really crazy. It was so interesting. So um, it's a really great app. It goes for a little while. So go for a walk, pop it in the car and yeah. And also give Ben a follow as well. He, I stalked his account last night and it's very information, but not information overload that it hurts your brain. Yeah. It's all very interesting, interesting, relevant. He speaks really well. Um, and yeah, it was a great episode. Have a great day. Yes, you too. I love you. Love you. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Ben, welcome to Curious Conversations. Thanks for having me. Now, two things I want to know. What's your last name? Because I actually don't know. I just know you as Benny Lifts. <laughs> it's Kant, C-A-N-T. Like, okay. like can't without the apostrophe. Oh, okay. Because I even typed into like Spotify to see podcasts that you've done before because I know you've done a fair few. Yeah. Um, did you type in Benny Lifts? Yes, you do. I actually did. That's like when people type in Tally Lou. I'm like, no, 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 my name's actually Tally Humphrey. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember Amy Taylor from RBT? We all go back in yeah. RBT yeah, days. Yeah, right? RBT so, days. Yeah, when we blonde used to... trainer. She changed my Facebook once to um, Ben Can't Stop Lifting Shit. Oh, no. And I was at a bodybuilding show and like there's lots of people coming around and I'm walking past like this like whole group of people and this guy jumps out and goes, Ben can't stop lifting shit in front of like everyone. He's like, man, you know, nice to meet you. And I was just like, bro. Did you change it back? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, yeah. This was back in the t- – like you had to wait like 30 days or oh, something like that. Nice. It was whatever it was. But anyway, I just uh, – it was a – yeah. I love that. You just mentioned your uh, – back in the RBT, t- RBT days where mm-hmm. we're lifting weights, we're trying mm-hmm. to hit our macros. But what is it actually you do? Because Tal and I had a discussion. I was like, I didn't know this about Ben. Yeah. Mm. I was. I said to Sarah, "I'm like, was he a scientist?" <laughs> Someone told me, like, you. Sta- well, I don't. Yeah. Know. So I'm interested to hear yes. your background. Yeah, I, I would get laughed out of a laboratory these days, though. So okay. So, so I f- was I right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so my oh, background is, uh, yeah, I, I finished a degree in biochemistry and I worked in a, a lab for a little while. Yeah, this was back in 2004. Oh wow! Okay. Right. So I haven't been in a lab since probably 2004, 2005. Um. But yeah, biochemistry, it's like a science of the body and, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, like a lot of my colleagues and stuff went into pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I had some health conditions and stuff and it was, that's kind of what got me out of mainstream, you know, medicine and pharmaceuticals and heading towards nutrition, which is kind of what I do now. It's like nutrition coaching. Back when I met you guys, it was like mm-hmm. personal training yeah. and kind of like developing that hybrid model of online because back then it was sort of in its infancy. Now yeah. it's like the rage. Um, and I've just done a lot of teaching and mentoring on things like nutrition and basic science and blood chemistry and those kind of things that are got to do with health. Yeah, so wow. you've got a great credibility when it comes to understanding blood work, hormones, and what to do. Yeah. Look, I mean, look, in saying that, the mm. fun, this, I tell this story a lot because sometimes I'll have uh, like a student come to me and say, oh, I want to do biochemistry as well. Do you recommend it? And I'll be like… A, no. a, a bought mission. Well, I'm like, well, what do you want? Yeah. Like, tell me what you want. And when I realize what they want, I'm like, it's not going to get you there. Mm. Um, what you really want is like sort of like not inside a lot of the scopes of what you're going to get in a traditional mm. university curriculum. Mm-hmm. I go, when I did a biochemistry degree, there's a lot of pathways and fancy pictures and technical stuff going on. But I go, the one thing that was missing was there was no vitamins or minerals in any of my books back then. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. This is crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. this is like I was on I was on my own journey to fix my own health uh-huh. back then as well. And so towards the last year or so of my degree, I started questioning a lot of things and I was pissing off my lecturers and all that kind of stuff because mm. I was like, hold on. And there was this whole world of nutrition that wasn't in my biochemistry book. So I didn't touch on oh. nutrition. People think, oh, you must have done so much nutrition. Not one bit. 
people think, oh, it must have helped you a lot with your personal training. And I'm like, no, there's no anatomy. Like it was nothing. It was oh, wow. very much more geared towards just lab monkey kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, so all everything after that has been sort of like education that I've gone and got after that initial Okay. Sort I was gonna of ask degree. that. So yeah. For yourself, what were you trying to heal? Obviously you were being your own test monkey and seeing if nutrition worked, what mm. didn't work. Yeah. What were you trying to heal? I was in a hockey accident when I was in year ten. Mm-hmm. So and I got my face completely rearranged. Oh um, wow. Yeah, it was a really bad accident. So like it's you know, sort of broke my nose in a lot of pieces and I have four plates and 12 screws that make up that side of my face. You would never wow. think that. Wow. I had a really good rhinoplasty surgeon. I never met the guy because I was just out for, yeah, for yeah, days yeah. and it really affected my memory. I got an acquired brain injury. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't remember the six months prior to oh, that. Wow. Worse than that though, I couldn't even speak English. Like <gasps> sort of afterwards, I just could not speak. I was completely dazed. I went from being an honor roll student, you know, sort of in an academic and sports sense to just failing everything. So that was hard. I kind of limped through uni. Uh-huh. I, sorry, limped through the rest of high school, you know, like wanting to sort of be a doctor or a vet uh, initially, but there's no way my grades were going to get that after sort of like what I was going through. I got chronic fatigue. I got fibromyalgia, like these unexplained kind of muscle pains. Um, and no one could really help me. I was in a country town. Yeah. So that's another thing as well. Like it's when you no sort of where I was, it's just like people just like, oh, he's crazy. Go send him to a psychologist. Mm. My mum would be like, he's not crazy. Like this has all happened after the accident. Mm. And I just didn't get a lot of resolution with things until I started going to the gym after my degree. And that was like 24, 25 years of age. And so then, you know, couldn't help myself. I just started researching all this nutrition and supplements and everything. And I started feeling better, like, you know, just by implementing some of the things that I did. Um, and then I was just really fortunate. I sort of stepped into the supplement industry with some colleagues that were really good, like great naturopaths, mm-hmm. great acupuncturists, great mm. dietitians. And so that to me was really impressive. They thought my biochemistry background was crazy because I could like read all the supplements and kind of like go into a lot of depth, but there was no practical application in anything I did. Mm-hmm. I've never sat down with a client and learned how to communicate well. In fact, I communicated very poorly, mm. you know, because I was a science geek, mm-hmm. you know, so that had to sort of like come after that. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of like how I kind of hit that road. Yeah. Started fixing my own health and then be, just became obsessed with like that side of the industry. Very fulfilling to kind of work in the health industry. I was there before I was in the fitness industry. Yeah. You know, the fitness industry was much later on and it was just a nice kind of like add-on to what I was already doing. Yeah. And that's why so. we wanted to have you on is to talk specifically because 90% of our audience is females, mm. are females. What do you see when it comes to females coming to you with health, nutrition, and hormone problems? They are what far it, better to coach. Are they? Oh, yeah. Because they're not stubborn or they want <laughs> they to learn? Want, well, they're better communicators actually talking about one thing. Okay. You know what I mean? So broad strokes here. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm generalizing. But across the board, generally like females make great clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other health practitioners of different things would say the same with their clients and patients as well because I feel like – Females across the board can generally communicate what they want better. They're very diligent with like a lot of the things, like a lot of the data requirements that, you know, sort of like communicating across things that matter to help with assessments and things like that. Um, I think there's there's pros and cons, right? You know, I think females also come along, especially in the fitness industry, with probably a little bit higher uh, problems with like comparing and, you know, just like other sort of issues with like maybe relationships with food and Mm. relationships with body dysmorphia, even though that is a big deal with a lot of the males that I've Mm. worked with as well. Um, But yeah, like, you know, coaching women is… Easier. 
Look, it's, it's, uh, it is easier across the board, but yeah. I would say as well some of the health complications that I particularly kind of coach because a lot of my work is health. Yep, yeah. It's like Hashimoto's, fertility, you know, okay. um, you know type 1 diabetics or, it's, it's, or gut conditions, like mm-hmm. things like that. So, um, yeah, like a lot of them aren't easy, mm. but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very enjoyable to, to coach them. What's pro- out of all of those, what would be the common thing that females would come to you about? If you, Sarah, if you went to bed now, what would you go in for? My hair. Your hair. My hair. How would you? See, I wouldn't have thought to go to bed about that. Because because I protein. I think I've been undernourishing my body, and I don't know. Tell me if this is true, or you're supposed to. This is a ballpark figure. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to eat one gram of protein per pound of your body. Yeah. For me, that would be 146 grams a day nowhere near am I getting that amount of protein and have I, would I say, for the last two years. Yeah. So it's on the higher end of like a range that we would use. Yeah. You know what I mean? So generally we would say uh, around about 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilo body weight, Mm -hmm. which would be converted into the pounds that you said, um, about 100 to 140 grams for your body weight, I think. So, um, but I think that it's a good number to be hitting somewhere in there, definitely. And like failure to do so for prolonged periods of time mm. definitely can have like effects on your health, your hair, your skin. Cortisol, I've heard that like protein yeah. has an Im- impact on cortisol in your body because it, it can't remove it from the system. Yes. Some- Look, I mean, it, so protein's used for a lot more than just muscles. Mm. You know what I mean? We use it to build like a lot of the tissues within the body mm. and things yep. like that. So um, you think about the lining of the gut, you think about as substrates for. Um, yeah, like a whole range of different things. I think, I think when I look at doing nutrition guidance with females, a lot of the things I'm looking at is trying to figure out a system that works for them consistently over time. Yeah. And probably something that has those backup plans. You know? I, so I, I think a lot of people um, plan out their nutrition, even if you're really disciplined and motivated, mm. right? You plan it out sometimes with the uh, really optimistically, what I mean by that is you imagine like everything going right. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. you go, yeah, this was great. And then all of a sudden what happens? Like not so great. Yeah. Yeah. Everything doesn't go yeah. right. right. And then you and then you're way behind the ball. You're like, well, I don't, I didn't have this prepared. I didn't get to the shops to get this. Mm-hmm. And so these start racking up. Mm. You know, and so then you have this streak of like obstacles and challenges that can really take you away from having that consistency that we talked about. So I've always sort of said, look, my job is to kind of educate and show like a, a way a system works and then help tailor that to someone. And I always like to be prepared. Mm. And what I mean by that is like having a plan B, having a plan C, having a plan D. So we got talking off off air just mm. about like uh, working with some of the um, mothers with newborns that I do. So they're postpartum. Mm. There's a lot going on. First-time mums, a lot of them and stuff like that. I know I've got three kids. I work from home and I've seen like the amazing stuff that my wife does and it's a, it's a crazy time. Mm-hmm. And so I know for, for a fact that many women in that scenario will just, like, they wouldn't eat until 3 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. It's, all about, it's all about the baby, right? Yeah. And trying to figure out what's going on, how do I parent, and then all of a sudden it's 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to just write up a meal plan that's, like, optimizing your micronutrients mm, and hitting yeah. your fiber targets and hitting your protein if it's completely unfathomable that you have the time to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So we can have that as, like, our plan A. 
Mm. But then I want plan Bs. And so a lot of the plan Bs might look something like this. Let's say I know that um, she has to have 500-calorie meal portion sizes. We're going for four of those. We're getting 2,000 calories or something. We'll yeah. keep it nice and easy. If that second meal, um, you know, she has, like, I want to have like a, uh, you know, a steak with some potatoes and some vegetables, like a typical fitness meal or something like that. But we need something that's quicker. I'll be like, okay, well, what's a 500-calorie backup plan to that that also contains protein mm-hmm. and kind of a bit on the spectrum? So we might say, okay, what about a wrap with some cold-cut meat, you know, some mm-hmm. lettuce, some tomato, some cheese, some avocado, and bang, you know that's already your portion. That takes five minutes to eat. Yeah. You know, what about having some rice cakes on hand with some smoked salmon, some Philly cheese, a little bit of a protein shake on the side, and a banana? You know, that's 500 calories as well. Mm-hmm. Worst case scenario, you're heading out the door, you're not going to come back for four hours, you've got five minutes, and you've got two Carmen's muesli bars and a protein shake, and that's 500 calories. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so then you've just gone a plan A, plan B, a plan C, and a plan D. And you don't and that, shit about yourself. And the thing is, I'm like, once you have that, like there's no – you don't make excuses mm. for yourself not to do what yeah. you need to do because yeah. there's a, there's something for everyone. And I do this with everything. So it's like what are you near? Um, are you near – like when you're out and about, are you near a sushi shop? Are you near an IGA? I can literally tell you right now. You, you name a place and I can give you a 500-calorie portion. Mm. Like are you serious? I'm like, yeah. Because there's nothing – there's no way you can go that I haven't sort of thought of like a situation for that. Yeah. But I want to kind of arm you with those tools, you know, so that when you yeah. get there – because when, when your day goes wrong – that is the worst time for you to be trying to think under pressure. Yeah. You know, you're tired, you're exhausted, mm. you're running late. Are you going to make the best food choices? Absolutely probably not. not. <laughs> With, say, we were saying probably Tully and I might need 140 grams of protein a day, right? We had this conversation yeah. the other day. How do we know how much protein we are getting? Say, for I don't me, even know how much that like protein I had, is. I had a steak last night. How much protein would have that been? It depends on how accurate you want to get with this. Yeah. So if you, go and, if you go to any kind of coach or gym where they're doing a challenge and there's some, some kind of nutrition guidance, generally you'll find tiers of accuracy with the way that they can help you with nutrition. Mm. The first one is like a plate guideline or a portion controlled guideline. We use this at RBT. It'd be great for when you'd have people for 28 days. They come in, they're just getting exposure to a system. Mm. You don't want to overwhelm them and say, okay, you need to learn macronutrients mm. and you've got all this homework to figure out the exact portions of stuff. You're like, no, nah. you just tell them palm size of protein is good for you. Two fists of you know vegetables, mm-hmm. a fist of carbohydrates, two fingers as a portion of fats, you know, and then you kind of like give them like columns of like, Hey, these are some examples of all those things. I just How said. many times a day would you have to have a meal like that? Like I told you before, I was like, I was eating breakfast, which was usually muesli having a protein ball. I if it was protein. muesli was. Protein. Had that much protein. No. And then I was having dinner. I was like yeah. 100% I was not hitting anywhere yeah. near any macronutrient target. Sarah's so target. interested in this protein thing and I'm like learning from you because yeah. you've got so many questions. I didn't even mm. – I haven't even thought about how much protein a female is supposed to eat yeah. ever in my life. You, you, you need to – first of all, what you need to do is establish like what's the goal. It might, and it might just yeah. be in terms I'm, of – I'm I'm – in terms of I know a protein is really important for females to balance hormones. Mm-hmm. And like hormone production, and it's making sense to me now that if you're undernourishing, of course you're going to have maybe gut issues. Maybe you're going to have um, maybe some kind of depression or brain fro- mm. fog because you're not getting those like micro micronutrients either for dopamine to be mm-hmm. produced. So it's all making sense yeah. for me now. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Like I was anorexic and I lost mm. my period 
I was anorexic since I was like 13. I lost my period until I was 27. Mm. So it kind of does make sense hormone-wise, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think really it's about like, so let's say your goal is not a fat loss or muscle building goal. Like body composition-wise. Yeah. Just health. Exactly. That's what yeah. I want to clarify, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's not about like trying to change your body composition no. and stuff. It's like how do I fuel that? Yeah. There's just like a really basic kind of, rule of thumb that we would go with just to figure out a starting point mm. like of your total intake you know and so we might just kind of grab your body weight and then you know multiply it by um uh, like 35 and that would be like 35 calories per kilo and that might put you up at around about 2500 calories or something mm-hmm. like that and from there we can work backwards do you need to track calories people ask me this all the time i'm mm. like you don't need to mm. but it's also like the analogy i would use is this if you're not good with finances and you go to a financial planner what are they going to tell you to do straight off the bat? They're going to go, hey, guess what? I'm going to introduce you, introduce you to this thing called like an income and expenses sheet. Yeah. You're going to do a budget. Yeah. And you go, oh, that sounds yeah. like work. And it is. It's uncomfortable, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, man. But then what do you do? You learn. You're like, yeah. oh, my God, this is how much I spend on coffee. Oh, my God, this is how much mm. I spend on sushi. Mm. And it's part of the, the process. So there is a certain amount of nutritional literacy that goes a long way with learning some of these things. Portion control is good to start with, but it may only get you so far because there's a certain amount of margin of error that you're allowing for because it's easy, right? But it's not as accurate. When you start weighing things and learning a little bit more about your macronutrients, you're going to get a higher nutrition literacy. You're going to be pushed into that more effort, more uncomfort zone for a little bit, but you're going to learn greater Mm. as well. You know, so... Going back to if you're just doing it for health, like we might say, okay, that means if you've got to eat 2,500 calories a day, you're probably going to be a little bit shocked if you've been under-eating what that really looks like. And so I would sort of say to you as a client, you know, if I only had a few minutes with you, I'd say, hey, here's my ebook. There's lots of 500-calorie meals in there as an option. Go and look through that and either use them as they are or as inspiration because you Mm. can kind of just sort of see what you would swap around and that kind of thing. Mm. And then design your week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or like what works for you. And like I said before, having those backups is really important. Yeah. You know? Uh, and then having just regular portions. Now, as a guideline with protein intake, we would say try and get a serving of protein at most of your main meals. Mm. And that would be a minimum three times a day, mm-hmm. but maybe four. You know? Is it, is it better to have six? No. It doesn't stoke your metabolism or anything mm. like that. But when people go the other way and they go, oh, timing doesn't matter whatsoever. All that matters is total intake. And I'm like, but then that sets you up for what you're doing, which is like having a bit of breakfast, doing nothing all day long. Yeah. You're probably beside yourself with your like cognition and mm. your emotions and your mood. And then it's the night time and it's like yeah. probably not going to make the best decisions with yeah, nutrition 100%. either. Yeah. So timing is important, but not for the pe- reasons people think it is. Yeah. Funny you say that because the China, I saw a Chinese medicine lady yesterday and she was saying, looking at all like my tongue and my eyes, and she's like, you're an overthinker. She was saying about how hair is to do with blood and um, what she was saying is the brain is the first uh, energy source in your body. She goes, so because I've been undernourishing myself, she goes, yeah. everything will go to my brain first, yeah. so my cognitive function, and then the rest of my body is depleted. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and she's like, the more you're an overthinker, the more you burn up those nutrients in your body. I was like, wow, so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think at the end of the day, it, it is so easy for people that have that type of personality type or traits mm. or, you know, just like a, a schedule, I suppose, to just let things go. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just, it, you just, the day catches up with you. And so I suppose it's part of the coach. But the art of coaching is kind of like understanding that and then setting into place 
behavioral changes. Mm. And that's when people used to say, oh, Benny the biochemist, Benny the biochemist, because there wasn't many biochemist, bodybuilder kind of nutritionist guys around. When I kind of came on the scene a little bit, I get, guys, don't say that because any real biochemist out there still working would just yeah. laugh yeah. at what I'm saying. But I go, what I do is behavior change. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's really about helping people understand their habits and their discipline and like looking at their obstacles and helping them navigate through that. Mm. You know, and so like when someone wants to come and work with me, I just leverage off experts. I'm like, listen, mandatory reading for you, James Clear's Atomic Habits. You know, it's oh, like number one bestseller. Hope everyone, I yeah. yeah. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. You gotta yeah. go read it. Like it's it literally it's the type of book that people go, just changed my life because he gives you a system. Yeah. Right? I'm talking about nutrition. He gives you a system on behavior change. Huh. So it's like, you know, he, he teaches you how to make things obvious, how to make them less effort, you know, how to make them more rewarding. Um, I just did something on my socials yesterday about like one of the ones I use all the time is never miss twice rule. And it's just a, an adage of a, a play on the um, consistency over perfection. So too many people, like you have like one bad meal for the day or you mm. do like you miss one workout and you put so much mm. emphasis on that that you that you then go let become a new streak of not working out. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I'm like, it's you lost the point. You didn't lose the match. Yeah. Like right. imagine everyone on TV, you see a sporting game and you lose one, one point and the team walks off. Yeah. Oh, true. You know? Because that's that's what happens. Mm. That's kind of the talk that goes on in our heads. Yeah. And so my never miss twice rule is like like everyone stuffs up. I stuff up, uh-huh. you stuff up, mm. you stuff up. The difference between amateurs and you know the best is they get back on track quicker. You know, mm. and so if you just think about it's it's okay for over this the, the span of a year to do a um, a series of streaks, mm-hmm. yep. not a three hundred and sixty five days you've mm. never missed a day. But imagine you did a ten day streak had one day off, a twelve day streak had one day off. You get to the end of the year and you've got like ninety five percent success. Mm. Yeah, good way to look yeah, at that. I like you know? it like yeah. that. Yeah. So I want to go back. I know previously, and then I think I said another question. What is the number one? issue that females come to you about because I want to talk about females but I also want to dive into males as well but first females yeah so with myself I would say a lot of it's got to do with digestion really with my with my female clients okay. a lot of it um, bloating things like that constipated yeah that's what often bloating girl chat. Constipation. constipation like what 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 um, some not this is not just gender specific, but what some people think is okay from like a regularity of bowel movements. I'm like, oh, hang, that ain't okay. Yeah, <laughs> and we're going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How how often should you? But yeah, I know we constipation. Our group chat this morning was going off yeah. about yeah. pooing as well. Yeah. How often should you be going each day? Oh, I don't think you can make an argument against going um every, at least once per day. Okay. You yeah, know, yeah. I really don't think you can. And yeah. like more more than once per day is absolutely fine as well. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that would be it's context, right? So when I say that, it's about I'll teach my clients about the Bristol stool chart, which is kind of like a chart of like your poos. Mm. Everything from like rock hard, pebbly constipation all the way through to diarrhea. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're aiming for like right in between a nice formed stool. Mm-hmm. And so um, getting a client to that and then all of a sudden some 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 people have gone decades without great stools. Wow. You know? Yeah. It's just like that's just me. And it's like, well… We're going to find okay. a new you. And that's to wow. do with the digestive system. Digestion, bloating, you know what I mean? Like reflux and all these kind of things as well. A lot of the women that I work with actually, because a lot of my coaches too, okay. and this is a great thing that's happened in the last five years, I would say, is so many more of the women I work with now, they're not about dieting, they're about muscle building. Yeah. Yep. And performance and health and understanding their fertility, everything. And I'm talking about, like I'm in my 40s now. Mm. A lot of these women are in their 20s and I'm like, oh my God, you're already thinking about this I stuff. You are so far ahead of where we were 10 years back. Yeah, absolutely. And because the, the industry cops a lot of flack, and rightly so. There's a lot of garbage that does happen. But I think across the board to see so many 
women that want to get strong, mm-hmm. they want to get fit, and they don't, they're getting rid of this diet culture kind of thing. And yeah. I'm like, that is amazing. But some of the problems they run into is when they try to increase their calories, they're running into all these gastrointestinal symptoms. So I'll get a lot of women go, oh, every time I try and put on size, I'm just a mess. You know, my bowels, my my gut, I just don't digest it well. Mm. And so then it's just about unpacking, okay, like what does the diet look like? Where are we at with some of the gut health stuff and um, making that a better journey. That time of week again, Tal. Tell me what's the Chemist Warehouse Picks of the Week. Okay, so this week we have another fragrance. This week it is Power by Delta Goodrum. Mm. You can get this at any Chemist Warehouse. It smells divine and it's a really good pick for anyone who is having a birthday, maybe your mom, your grandma, your best friend. It is a great pick and you can get it available from Chemist Warehouse now. How do you increase your gut health, would you suggest? If people are listening, like what are – is it supplements? Is it – yeah. What do you do? I would say it's it's not supplements, but I'm someone who loves various supplements, yeah. right? But it's about a hierarchy first. As we know, the, your, your foundation's never going to be supplements. That's yeah. going to that's built on matchsticks. Um, so I would say, like, this is going back. I'm just going to use you as the example again. Go for it with, your, yeah. with uh, how you're sort of explaining your day and business yeah. and stuff. Although I'm sure you're the same as well. Um, is you know if you're in this constant you know sympathetic state, this yeah. this, this high arousal Fight state, like we are yeah. right now you're not really designed to be digesting optimally in that state, Mm. okay? And so being able to put yourself in that position means going back and revisiting your schedule. Mm. And I'm like, where does meals fit in here, for instance? Mm. And so that's sometimes where I start with the client. I'm like, show me a calendar. And then I'm like, not good enough. Like you're going to have to shift these clients. You're going to have to like make room to eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't have room to eat. I can't do anything downstream from that with, I can't throw hundreds of dollars of supplements at this. I can't throw better nutrition plans at this. You need to actually sit down, chew your food, you know, wusa, yeah, yeah and and do that, yeah. Um, and that's that's problematic with both males and females that I work with. Like a mm. lot of that goes on. Do guys know. have gut issues? Yeah, heaps. Do they? Oh yeah. From what? 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 Would it just be stress? Is it like stress induced? Is it like the gut lining? Do you, what do you think is causing all these gut issues? Oh, I think then it's a range of things. Yeah, yeah. I think like there's. A lot of infections. I think people's immune systems actually since COVID, like mm. I talked to a lot of my peers and practitioners and stuff, we've mm. seen some crazy changes since in COVID. Yeah, just in like infection rates and… Oh, getting wow. sicker yep. more. Crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a very yeah. complicated yeah. series of factors that you have to sort of take into account for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that's, you know, sort of on the increase. Mm. But men get gut issues just, you know… You just don't hear it as much because they're not they as vocal. Probably don't they're probably as much. They're probably not, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I would be starting at like looking at the schedule, making yeah. the time, getting to the right state of mind. Um, that's good advice. That's can, behavioral stuff. Yeah, and then can, you start thinking yeah. about, okay, now let's break down this nutritional assessment. Mm, yeah. And there may not be, you know, adequate protein. There may be a lack of vitamins and minerals. There may be… Um, uh, you know, not enough of the right types of fibers. And so that's very contextual yeah. uh, to the person. And people respond differently to different foods too. You know, I had someone comment on something I, I wrote last night um, saying, oh, I, I wrote about this um, magnesium bread. So one yeah. of the one of the foods I that I encourage a lot of clients yeah. to use, you know, they're like, where's your sponsorship? And I'm like, because <laughs> magnesium is one of those nutrients that's really deficient in the population. Yeah. So 60% of people don't hit enough magnesium a day. 20% of people don't even reach half the goal. Why is magnesium so important for us 
to be having? Oh, it's incredibly important. So it's involved in nearly every process you can think of in the body. We mm-hmm. have something called ATP, which is just kind of like our energy within the body on a mm-hmm. molecular level. Yeah. But you can think about it, I like to use the analogy of thinking about it like your internal wealth. And so like every day you're making this wealth from the foods that you eat, you know, the carbs, the proteins and the fats, and all the systems of your body have got to get paid. You've got to pay the muscles, you've got to pay the brain, you've got to pay the digestive system, you've got to pay the reproductive hormone system. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if you're not kind of um, doing that well, then you've got a problem. Anyway, magnesium literally sits in this molecule to give it the right shape so that it can go ahead and do that. It's like, it's like part of your money. Mm. You know what I mean? And 60% of people don't eat enough of it. So what fruits got magnesium in it? Well, it's kind of hard, right? And one of the reasons it's hard because in the last, I don't know, like 100 years, our soil has become so much more deficient in a lot of things. Uh And a lot of farming practices, we don't rely heavily upon repleting magnesium. We use other minerals that can still have great yields Mm -hmm. with certain crops and things. We don't need to be putting the magnesium in there. Unfortunately, the downstream effects of that is we are not getting a lot of it in our oh, diet. Okay. Um, and it is a, a, just a little bit of a harder one to get. Okay. So this bread that I mm-hmm. spruik is a chickpea loaf. It's called Basan, mm-hmm. um, sprouted Basan loaf, okay. which is just from chickpea. And chickpea is very high in magnesium. Is it? Oh. Really high in magnesium. Did not know that. So a couple of slices of this bread just like covers your magnesium intake really okay. easily. Yep. Um, Where do you get the bread from? Like a health food shop? Yeah, like health food shops, organic shops. Okay. Um, there's a lot of distributors here in – Vic and Queensland, not okay. so much in New South Wales, and I can't remember about the West and South. Okay. So if you if you're magnesium deficient and you start implementing it, in, what could you see change in your body? Like, you, would you be more calm? Would you sleep better? Potentially, yeah. you know what I mean. And so, like, potentially anything, but also you could have a complete subclinical magnesium deficiency where you have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea, but it, you, you know, I could be looking at your blood work and go, oh, wow, that is really low. Oh, so you can see it in the bloods and stuff. Yeah. I said this as well when I was um, doing this write-up. It's that – so I, I do blood work with all my clients. Yeah. Out of the last 10, and this is very normal, by the way, this, this statistic, eight of the last 10 were deficient in magnesium. Wow. Mm. Eight of them also were coaches. And so what I was saying is like even – People like myself, you know, have generally speaking across the board a higher nutritional literacy mm-hmm. um, and probably a higher nutritional adherence than the average person, even if it's not perfect, mm-hmm. deficient in magnesium. Yeah, right. Some of them using supplements as well. And wow. I go, it, it, because oh. our targets are so low, our adequate intakes that we kind of set from the governing bodies and stuff, they're just really low. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not sufficient. It's not cutting it. Because once you throw in exercise or stress For optimal health. or output, mm. you need so much more of this mineral, mm. you know. So um, that's just a particular example of like I think that that bread is a nice inclusion in someone's diet um, that can really solve the problem of a very common nutrient insufficiency. Mm. And people say, can't you just supplement? I'm like, of course you can. Yeah. But do you want to know about food? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, so. Um, Another nutrient you speak quite often about is essential fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Are we, is it a common deficiency in a lot of people? What's what does it do? Why yeah. do we need it? And what's an example of that in food? Yeah. So what I speak mainly about is omega-3 um, derived from animals. So mm-hmm. it's they're called EPA and DHA and they're long chain fats basically that mm-hmm. have a myriad of health benefits in the body. I speak about them a lot because I Look, I just started researching them probably 10, 12 years ago and got down a rabbit hole, you know, with the health benefits. Yeah, right. And it just really drove me to 
I just sort of keep on top of it and understand mm-hmm. that, like, you know, a lot of people don't eat a lot of fatty fish. And when you look at some of the data on when they compare um, the health outcomes of people that eat a lot of fatty fish, like the Japanese, for instance, yeah. mm-hmm. versus those who don't, it stands out in so many categories, it's ridiculous. You know, cardiovascular health, all-cause mortality or, or death, basically. So when you compare those, even recently when we had COVID, um, you know, if they measured the omega-3 index, which is basically just a percentage of how much of these you've got in your red blood cells, uh, if they compared the highest to the lowest, you the, the lowest were three times more likely to, to die in severe COVID than the highest. Wow. You know, and it's because these – Omega-3s, we build them into our membranes and we use them to control inflammation. Uh-huh. Yeah, we use them to help with a, 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 a lot of signaling and things like that that happens in the body as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but controlling inflammation is a very important aspect of disease management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Staying healthy. Mm-hmm. And across the board, a lot of people get themselves into like a really inflamed state, which is part of that disease progression across you name a disease and it's there. Because it's inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. It's like literally we're going to like root cause stuff here. And mm. It's like, well, okay, how can we address that? Um, and so building up that reservoir, that internal pool of your omega-3s is really important. And I'm, I work with a lot of people who don't like fish. They see me on my social media like smashing sardines every day and I'm mm. like – and on my form it'll say – what foods don't you like? And the first thing will be sardines. Really? Like, oh, this person's seen my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you I love know. sardines. Uh, so I'm like, that's okay. I'm not going to make you eat sardines. Yeah. Uh, but they want to know, look, how do I get my omega-3 index over this 8% mark, which is kind of the the, the uh, amount that I tell people to aim for. And I'm like, look, it's a decent amount of fish. Like you'd have to be consuming like fatty portions of salmon, you know, common fatty fish. Um, probably three to four times per week. And for oh, wow. some people, and that's a lot of fish. Yeah. yeah. You know, this is this is the thing. So, but that could be like for tin din- tuna? Not, not as fatty. It's, oh. It doesn't have as many of the good fats. For, okay. It could so, be, but also because tuna's a large fish, we have a little bit more problems with like the ocean is just not great anymore. Oh. And so the larger the fish, the more they accumulate these toxins. Okay. Not to turn people off tuna oh, like for good. I'm like, I still eat tuna. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're looking for consistency and stuff like that, generally you'll go for the acronym SMASH, which is – Sardines, mackerel, anchovy, herring. Um, and you can get them all in salmon. tins too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I forgot what we were saying. Oh, f- um, fatty acids and what they do and how often we should be consuming them. Yeah. So that you're saying three times a week. That could be like dinner twice and you could have some sardines for lunch yeah. one day. Or something. Yeah. So, again, I'm going to say this because like this is just something I've found in clinic is that People often will tell me because I'll say, how, what, "What's a um, what's a feasible amount that you would eat per week?" And they'll be like, "Oh, I can eat it three times a week." I'm like, "Are you telling me mm. for the next 52 weeks of the year you're going to eat salmon three times a week?" No, no, that, not salmon. No, no. exactly. Yeah. Because you know what? If I said nearly any other protein source, you'd probably yeah. go, "Yeah, I could." Yeah. And but when it comes to fish, this is something I've noticed over the years. People do not stick at fish that regularly. Oh, I you'll can go through have it. I go phases. in. Yeah, like you were going to say. Yeah. Phases, Every, everyone's the same. You'll have phases of fish, and then you'll be like, mm. "Okay, I'm off it now." Yeah. That's absolutely fine. I'm like, go with what naturally feels good, and then in the interim. Support yourself with some omega three supplements. Okay, get some really good quality daily? stuff. Daily, pretty much daily. Yeah. So, is that fish oil or no? What's the difference yeah. between omega omega three, six, and nine then? So it's got it's got to do with the structure, like okay. it's kind of like you could think about like the bendiness of them, if you like. Yep. So, and they have different roles in the body. The omega threes, mm. especially the EPA and DHA, which are derived from animals, they have all these anti-inflammatory. Oh, so that you want the omega-3s. These are the ones that I think you really do want. You mm. know, there's a, there's 
a part of our nutrition community that hates omega-6 and seed oils and things like mm-hmm. that as well because they are oh. pro-inflammatory. They're kind of like the antagonist yeah. to the omega-3. Yep. But I'm just very quick to point out, like if you look at the research and you look at omega-6 intake, it's actually associated with positive health outcomes. Mm. Mechanistically, we know kind of like at a hmm, from a mechanism standpoint, it looks like there's a potential there for problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, look, for me, I focus on the good to crowd out the other stuff. And I'm like, so just focus on getting your omega-3 index up to where it should be and kind of like let that take care of. Now that's, that's your top priority. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, so a lot of people will need to get around about 835 milligrams of EPA and DHA. So if you look on the back of these fish oil capsules, it'll often tell you the size of the cap. It might say 1,000 milligram. And then below that, it'll have the, these long words, EPA mm-hmm. and DHA for, for short. And you'll see the milligrams from that. So if it has 300 milligrams of those combined, you'd need three of those capsules to get 900 milligrams. So you're but aiming you get, for 1,000. Roughly, yeah. yeah. But you can get high-potency ones these days from okay. multiple companies where it's only just like one capsule per day. I was going to say, how do you find a good supplement? How do you know what a good supplement is? Yeah. Um, that is a little bit hard for the average person to tease mm. out because – the supplement industry is wildly unregulated. We're better here in Australia, by the way, than overseas. Yeah. Like the US is just an absolute wild west. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but if you wanted to talk in a technical sense, you'd like be looking for a third-party certificate of analysis. Mm. So that means that now they've sent their product off to a laboratory to get tested by someone who's unbiased yeah. and give back a purity sample and to, to um, uh, confirm that what, they've said is in it, is in it, and that it's in it in the right dosages and it doesn't have stuff in it that shouldn't be in it, oh. okay? So that would be what you're looking for. It's a bit hard though, right? So yeah. I'm just like, usually what happens is I'm like, just use your like your mm. skills to tr- find someone who you can trust and learn from mm. um, or, you know, get a consultation or appointment or whatever and maybe be guided hopefully, hopefully uh, in the right direction. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you going to say something? Um, no, I was going to. Have you got something on the same topic? Not a different question. topic. Oh, yeah, then you go. Yeah. <laughs> My thing was um, we've been hearing about liver and colostrum lately. Uh-huh. Like Have in the, I? Well, beef flip. We were talking oh, about Oh, yes, liver. we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what it was called. Liver. No, colostrum. No, colostrum is a different thing. Oh, okay. So colostrum is the f- bit of, um, I don't know where, like, when you're breastfeeding, that first bit that comes oh. out that's so nutrient-dense. Yep. And I've seen a real movement in the health and wellness community of people taking these supplements. And often the US, it happens there before it happens mm. here. Mm-hmm. Why are people taking those things and do you think there will be a bit of a movement towards these supplements here in Australia? Uh, yeah, I think the – like offal and organ meat one is kind of already here. Is it? Yeah. I mean, uh, I've been talking about beef liver or lamb liver for a really long time. Okay. Like on, on my sort of platforms and things like that. Uh, and coming back to solutions, right? So a lot of people never grew up eating beef or lamb liver and it's a very much an acquired taste. Also, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be able to cook it properly. Otherwise, it's going to taste like rubber. Mm. Um, and so one of the things that I'll use with my clients is I'll be like, listen, go to your butcher and ask them for a 10 to 1 ratio beef mince to lamb liver or beef liver. Oh, that's a good idea. So what the butcher will do, hopefully, is just say, okay, cool, I need you to order three kilos or five kilos worth. So you might have to order in bulk, but then he can just order the liver if they don't stock it on hand. They put it through their grinder and then it's in there. Mm. And about that 10 to 1 ratio is about the tipping point. I'm like, any more liver than that in it, most people are like, taste it. Taste it, it. yeah. But I'm like, 
if you just use a decent amount of like the spices that you would normally use in a mm. mince in a 10 to 1 ratio, you'll probably be fine. Now, why would you take beef liver? Mm. It's really nutritious in certain things. Yep. So vitamin A, retinol, like really important for your eyesight, your skin, your hormones, your Anti-aging. thyroid. Really, really <laughs> so you important. said yeah. Yeah. You saw it said vitamin but, A there and Tully was like, cha-choo, no, retinol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but vitamin A is also in chicken liver. So if you love pate. Oh. I love pate. There you go, pate. Yum. You don't need to go beef liver mixed in your mince. Really? To get like, yeah, yeah. The difference though with uh, chicken livers and lamb livers and beef livers, like those bigger animals, mm. is that they'll also be much richer in copper. Okay, so I've heard about copper lately. Yeah, copper helps a lot with um, your neurotransmitters that we were talking about before. To make you happy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I was sort of like involved in that. It, it helps a lot with uh, something called iron metabolism as well. Okay, so iron is incredibly important for the synthesis of something called heme that we put into hemoglobin that carries out oxygen in our mm-hmm. red blood cells. And if you've ever heard of like people having an iron deficiency mm-hmm. anemia and, you know, it's like that can be hair issues, yep. thyroid issues, hormone issues, fatigue, um, pallor, like all these kind of cognitive issues, um, everything. Mm. But sometimes an iron deficiency is actually a copper deficiency that looks oh. like an iron deficiency because we don't test copper a lot. Wow. I do personally. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go to the doctor, like the average GP is not going to test your copper. That's yeah. very, very unlikely. Unlikely. So we need copper in our bodies. You need copper and you also need copper to utilize your iron well. Because you have a copper deficiency, you just can't get the iron into the places it needs to go. So therefore, it looks like you've got an iron deficiency. And you you kind of do as an outcome. But the problem isn't… The carrier or the… The problem is because you're missing something else. Yeah. You know? Um, And you can get copper deficiencies in various ways. Like sometimes you're just not eating enough in your diet. Something Mm. that's very popular in the fitness industry, especially with the men that I work with um, or the gut… the gut clients, I'll just call them, mm. is a really high dose of zinc because zinc is an incredible mineral. It's mm. very hard to find in the soil like we talked about with magnesium. But high dose zinc supplements are out there for like pennies. You, you go and buy 50 milligram zinc tablets for 10 bucks, 5 bucks. Mm. So cheap. So people kind of take this really big dose of it, but it's the quickest way to give yourself a copper deficiency because they kind of compete to a degree. Oh. And so you've got all this zinc coming in and it's great. It might be solving like, you know, your acne's better or your hormones are getting great on that perspective or, you know, your gut is, is doing much better. But in the process, you can give yourself a copper deficiency. Oh. And so this is whereby I'm just like, listen, before you go pulling levers with supplements and stuff like that, speak to someone. Because in my head that stuff. like I've been – I've increased my oyster consumption. Yep. And I know they're really high in zinc. They're also a pretty good source of copper though. Okay, great. Oh, cool. that's good. Good choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really good choice. Yep. So, um, and again, this is, this is like another one of those foods. So I love mm. oysters. I love promoting them if anyone will eat oysters because they're, again, they're a, there's nothing like them when it comes to zinc. Mm. Nothing at all. Uh, but they're also very rich in a lot of other nutrients as well. The omega-3s, B12. Well, Sarah, weren't you talking about a lot of vegans now are eating oysters? There's a vegan movement that they just eat oysters. You know what? That's great. Yeah. It is good, isn't it? It is good. Yeah. I I sit back on the sidelines sometimes and watch this stuff without getting too involved. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But the the ethical side of the vegan um, Mm. discussion is Mm. really interesting, right? It's it's above my head. Like Mm. I listen to these guys that are really, really well-versed in ethics and – and that, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. It's really interesting. But, and I don't know the proportion of them, but as you sort of say, there is a group that will go, hey, bivalves are okay. So these oysters and mollusks and things like that. I think if you're on that side, like you set yourself up for a much easier planning of a good nutritional intake mm-hmm. on a 
otherwise predominantly plant-based diet. Yeah. Mm. If you could go, yep, you can stick with the plants, but you could get oysters and some mussels and some things like that in, you are going to solve so many um, potentials. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just thinking, even going back to protein, they would probably have to be consuming some kind of plant protein, like shakes or something, to even be hitting their targets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah wow. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of it's, – it's a commitment. Good on them. Look, I like, did. I did six months of plant based. Yeah, and I yeah, as an experiment, like yeah. a long time ago, um, and it was in the middle of my fitness journey. Like when I was doing like a lot of yeah. weights mm. and stuff like that. Towards the end, I really did start to feel certain things, and I was using a lot of supplements too. I was, you know, my nutrition is pretty good, mm. and I ended up fortifying myself. But towards the end, I was like, it's, it's good not, things or bad things. Like no, nah, there's there were just bits that I was deteriorating a little bit on. I'm like, yeah. okay, like I'm noticing this because I track everything. I'm yeah. meticulous on data and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, but and I, so I'm like, but from an ethical standpoint, I'm like, do yeah. you do you? I'm, mm. I have no problem people doing whatever they want. Mm. Um, but when it comes to the health side of it, and this is the thing, it's just like, I do feel that certain people are going to be more predisposed towards um, what you would call highly restrictive diets working for them than others. Mm. And the issue I have with it is that these groups often become echo chambers, meaning like you have a Facebook group and it's like a carnivore group or a vegan group or a keto group. I don't care. It's, I'm not picking on anyone. But the people that do well off it, they thrive and they support each other. The people that don't do well, they get they remove themselves from those groups. So mm. when if you're new and you come in, you're like, everyone gets results here. It's like, no, <laughs> the people who didn't get results left because they've got really unwelcome yeah, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. yeah. You know? So there's this bias towards people thinking that it's a, you know, like a great movement mm. or a, that mm. kind of thing. So you take liver. What about colostrum? I don't personally use colostrum myself, but mm. there's definitely a place for it uh, potentially. Why would people take colostrum? Yeah, so it's very high in uh, like immunoglobulins, which are part of our immune system. Mm. Okay, so if you're looking at strengthening the immune system, uh, oh, wow. particularly in the area of the gut, mm-hmm. you know, so it's an oral supplement, like it's not bad at all. Um, it also has some pretty potent properties for like sequestering or like some people have a problem with excess iron. So too much iron coming in. Oh. You know, and this is something that I've sort of tried to bring to people's awareness as, as well is that we do have like legitimate cases of iron deficiency, but so much processed food is fortified with iron. It's crazy. Oh, okay. Crazy. Yeah, right. So your recommended daily intake of iron uh, as a female might be 18 milligrams, mm-hmm. okay, per day. If you have a 100-gram serve of uh, Fruit Loops, you know, which is a big bowl of Fruit Loops. That'll give you 10 milligrams of non-heme iron off that just straight away. They've wow. loaded it with – and it's not because fruit – I don't even know what they're made of. I'm guessing I, wheat or something. I have no idea. Yeah. Wheat and lots of colours, right? Yeah. But what they do is they fortify it with synthetic vitamins and minerals like crazy, right? Huh. And so I'm just like, you've you've just had – you've already up to 10 milligrams from a big bowl of um, mm. Fruit Loops. Rice Bubbles has like 8 milligrams. Mm. Okay. And Rice Bubbles, you look at it, you're like, this can't have anything in it. And I'm like, for some people, it's probably the most nutrient-rich part of their day if you're a really big processed food eater because of that fortification. But anyway, excess iron isn't a great thing. It's really not. It puts a burden on the body in many areas. And um, there are many nutrients or food groups at our disposal that can help us from preventing – sorry, uh, prevent us from absorbing too much iron. And they are things like polyphenols, so like things like blueberries and mm. um, those types of fruits Purple that have those. kind of yep. antioxidant, rich yeah. antioxidant yep. foods. Tea is really good. Oh. So, you know, if you have a glass of tea, that'll have 50 to 150 milligrams of polyphenols in it. If you were to have that with your Fruit Loops, not that you would, but if you did, you would uh, decrease the absorption of that iron by about 60 to 70%. Wow. 
Wow. You know mm. what I mean? So you literally drop that back. Now, does that does that sound like a good idea, though, for someone with anemia? No. 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 So this yeah. is the other thing. It's like, well, if you have anemia and have an d- actual iron deficiency, then we start talking about particular uh, certain foods or drinks that maybe aren't a great idea, or if you're going to have them, watch where you're having them around certain meals because you can be interfering with the absorption. Anyway, back to your, your question, though, with the um, huh, colostrum. colostrum. Mm. It's very good at chelating iron, so binding up e- uh, extra iron as well. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. I don't even know what it is. So you just take it in tablet form or is it like a powder? I think you can get both. Like yeah. I know most people, Then I think that whenever I've used in the past, it's, it has no, it's been both actually. Yeah, okay. it's definitely been both. Yeah, mm. so interesting. The reason the liver thing, there's a Erwan in America, the supermarket, they've just bought out a smoothie and one of the key ingredients is liver. Liver. Yeah. And everyone's that, like, it's actually delicious. The Paul Saladino, yeah. the, the meat man. Yeah, the carnival yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 he's crazy. Yeah. See, see Paul. Paul's funny like in that he's, he's a carnivore – doctor yeah. you know, and sort of like really sort of in the education yeah. space of social media, right? Yeah. Like, so I don't know if he practices it actually, but uh, but he's someone who's changed his approach over the years. Yeah. What you know? he used to do? Well, now there's honey and now there's some yeah. other things oh. so that are non-meat. And this is the thing when people ask me like all the time what I think about these diets, I'm like, look, I'm a very patient man. You uh-huh. watch you watch nutrition and it's like a pendulum. Mm. You know, it's, everything's over here and then it swing. You give it five years, it'll swing the other way. Oh, I'm seeing, right? a, I'm seeing a movement back to raw milk and cow's yeah. milk. You, you'll just see it like that. Oh. And the thing is, is because, because as a culture and as an audience, yeah. all of us, right, that are on our phones, right, it's, you know, attention is the commodity right now mm. and the attention is out on those fringes. Yeah. It's more exciting. Like we all know if we sat down and, and anyone – that we could walk out in this office right here and we could sit down and go, right, if you were to write a nutrition book of what's healthy food, most people would somewhat get a relatively rough outline. Mm-hmm. They know they should probably increase their veggies and eat some lean meats and have some fish, get some fruits in and stuff like that. But that doesn't excite us. It's too mm-hmm. boring. Mm-hmm. So we look for these other things, right? Yeah. But eventually, and this is what I sort of say to people is I'm like, listen, you give people out in those fringes actually doing that enough time and you'll see if they come back into center. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, again, if you used um, – the vegan diet is an example that has a tremendously high drop off rate. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It's, yeah. I don't know the actual statistic, but it's most people do not last on a plant-based only diet. Mm. That's know? so true. And then they're and then they're very shunned by the community that accepted yeah. them when they came in. Like yeah. it's once you get out of that, like you're a you're a bad person. Um that's true. Like we've got friends that are vegetarians for years and, and then all of a yeah. sudden they're eating meat. Yeah. And they're like, I've never felt better. Exactly. It's so funny, isn't yeah. it? I want to talk about cravings. So I thought cravings, like if you're craving meat, does that mean I'm deficient in iron or what do cravings mean? My answer to that is going to be no, okay, okay? because I looked for this. Okay. So this is one of those so interesting. This is one of those things that gets perpetuated. It's like, oh, I'm craving chocolate. I must be deficient in magnesium. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're not. Really? <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. Like I've looked for it. Trust me. I've, I've looked for these that things. that sometimes I yeah. really, really crave is – um, like say Salt. soda water, oh, like random. a fizzy, yeah. like in hot weather. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, when I say this, like I'm quite willing to for, for the studies to be done, and yeah. then it shows that there is that. I'd be like, oh, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, like I don't, I don't think we have any evidence really that's well controlled, like proper scientific studies to say that that is has any merit whatsoever. Mm. Um, and uh, like the reason I find it funny is is because like a lot of the times people are telling me they're craving and it's like they're craving a burger they're craving and I'm like there's 
you're, you're, you're craving highly palatable food, like very mm. processed food that is designed very carefully by food manufacturers, oh. right, for you to hit that bliss point, that perfect ratio of carbohydrates, sugars within that, fats mm. and salt. And then the marketing team comes in and goes, let's wrap this up in a package that just fires off those oh, receptors. So it's more like… It, absolutely. Yeah. And so you're just ingraining these pathways and these like reward systems to these products, you uh-huh. know. So, um, And then when we reach, you know, certain times within our day, like let's say you're under more stress or you just have an external or internal cue, like let's say… You know, when you leave your podcasts, like you got into this habit of having this acai bowl, you know what I mean, on the way home. Then every time you jumped in the car, did a podcast, did that. That's right. So you're back to getting these cues. And these cues can be anything. It can be a visual thing. It can be a smell. uh, It can be the person you're with. You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, you can, you can have that friend. Grilled. Yeah, you can have that, that friend that, that every every time you see each yeah. other, it's just like it's alcohol or it's like it's pizza or whatever it, it is. And it's is like true. that person will literally that be that trigger, that cue oh. for you to to go back into that behavior, you know? That is so And so when you when you kind of like take that and then and then bring it back to the conversation at hand, it's like I like to sort of say, look, let's make the distinction between true hunger. And cravings. Yeah. I need I need us to do that. And a simple way that I would sort of say is like, look, if you if I if you just ate a meal and you're like, oh, I'm craving chocolate now, and this and that, I must be hungry. I must be hungry. And I'm like, look, if I put a plate of boiled potatoes, no salt, no butter, no nothing <laughs> on it, would you eat it? Like, mm, no. no. So you're not hungry. <laughs> yeah. You're not hungry because if you were genuinely hungry, you would eat anything mm-hmm. that's a food. Mm. You know. And so then it's like, okay, now let's start exploring this non-hunger uh, signals that we've got these cravings. Um, and then and then we just try and tease them out. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things we can do for them. There's a fantastic uh, book that goes over this called The Hungry Brain by Dr. Stephen Guillenay. And so I've recommended that book to a bunch of clients. I'm like, look, this will really help you understand how our current food environment has really taken a lot of control over like our desires and behaviors around our eating habits, mm. you know? And once you know that, you can disarm them. Mm. You know, so I'll give you an example. I'll, to, I'll just use myself. So back in my bodybuilding days, uh, when it would be like an off season, a growth season, you always be a little bit more liberal with like the type of food you would eat. Mm-hmm. And I would go train legs with one of my boys on a Saturday and we would go to a cafe afterwards and we would order the same meal. It was massive. It'd be like <laughs> six eggs. Um, I don't know if there was bacon, like added hash browns. It's probably like a 40, $50 meal yeah. these days, right? Yeah. When, when I've been doing that for four months straight and then I have to go into my dieting phase, do you know what I do? I change cafes. Oh. I break every bit of that cue. I don't want to go to the same cafe and be sitting down with the same waitress. Because, you know, by that stage, there's like the two guys that come in all the big meals. Yeah. Go, hey, the usual? Yeah. Oh, no. Can I just have uh, two eggs yeah. with some smoked salmon on yeah. some toast? Hold the butter. Yeah. You know, they're going to be like giving me shit about it the whole time, right? Yeah. And then that that breaks me down. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what happens to people all the time. You know, so I'm like, the easiest way for me to do it, I'm not tied into the cafe. I mean, I love them and I'll be back in another growth season. But I can just completely change the queue, change the environment and um, go into a new cafe, a new waitress. New habits. And they're like, oh, this is the healthy guy. This yeah. is, the, this yeah. is the lean guy, you know. And so people rely very heavily upon self-control and discipline mm. in areas. And I'm like, really? A lot of professionals rely upon being the architect of their environment. And James Clear from Atomic Habits, whole chapters of this in his book. Okay. You know what I mean? You need to control your environment as much as possible. Yeah. You know, so if you don't have the food that, you know, steers you away from your goals in your house, you know, there's Mm. an effort barrier because like, right, I've got to go down to the 7-Eleven to get that. Can I be effed at this time of night, getting in the car, driving down? Yeah. 
I've got the other problem. I'm obviously been under eating, so I'm trying to eat more now. Yeah. And I'm not hungry. So, and I've said that to tell numerous times. I'm like, oh, eating again, but I'm not hungry. You trained your hunger uh, to be the way it is now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is this is how intermittent fasting works, and time restricted feeding, and all oh. these kind of things, right? And then people go, "It works for me. It works for me." But like, hold on, then why are you why are you booking a consult with me if it works for you? Mm. You know, you've got all this fatigue, you're having trouble losing weight. It doesn't work for you. And I want to explain. You know, then we'll pull that apart. But over time, like you will basically retrain the the hormones and the sort of like circadian aspect of our which is like the timing aspect of our biology and digestive system, mm. to the habit that you're designing. And so to redesign that, there's a bit of uncomfort. I'm like, so my solution to you would be, okay, cool. First of all, show me a calendar. Mm. Second, I'm going to make time for those meals to be there so there's no excuses. Third, let's set up a system that has plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, right? Then let's say it's 11 a.m. You're like, man, I'm not hungry. You made me have that smoothie at breakfast. I'm like, I just want you to eat a mouthful of that meal. You Mm -hmm. You don't have to finish it, Right. I just need you to start signaling. It's like that one rep oh, in the gym. Oh, yeah. Next, next, next week, it's two reps in the gym. Next week, it's three reps. Then all of a sudden, you're like, I'm getting hungry. I'm like, yeah. of course you are. Because we're training those gastric juices and your brain to basically understand that we're going to be wanting more frequent mealtimes. Oh. Yeah. You just touched on something that's really interesting. And one of our um, health practitioners is right on at the moment, fasting. Yeah. What's your opinion on fasting? Have you got a context to that? Just well, do you fast only in the morning? Me? No, is fasting just well, in the morning? Well, she's doing a five-day fast, oh, right? Oh, and okay. she's saying like, and I've started watching the Chris Hemsworth documentary Limitless on Disney, which mm-hmm. is got, putting his body through all these things. And one thing is fasting. And you look when you look at all these religions who fasting is a part of their religion, you're like, well, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. But our friend Nat, who's doing it, is saying the health benefits of this or that resets your body. Yeah, or auto, autophagy. That like cleaning out of the cells. Mm-hmm. Will it do us benefit or for some people or some people it won't work? Um, so for me personally, like when people start doing I things, that, do it. I'm like, mm, do I try it? I don't know. Yeah. Listen, it's, it's a long answer and I don't want to make it long. So what mm. I'm going to say is um, – the many of the benefits of fasting that the proponents of it will say it's like it, it helps with autophagy, it helps with clearance, it helps like with turnover mm. of like these cells that we need to get rid of yeah. and replenish new cells, like things like that. Um, you know, it helps us with sensitivity to certain hormones and stuff. I'm like, it is true, uh, but a lot of those things when we do uh, matched studies with just calorie control, like just like controlling the calories over the same time frame and stuff like that, you get very similar outcomes. What do you mean by controlling the so, calories? So let's say like a lot of these studies aren't designed on like a five-day fast from a complete abstinence of food. They might be on a time-restricted feeding. So it's like, hey, I'm only going to eat between 12 and 8 p.m. at night. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you get this 16-hour window of no eating and let's con- like, let's look at all the health parameters we want to look at and compare them to people that are eating – you know, from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. or something like that. But they hit the same calories. The calories are the same though. Yeah. When calories are matched, we see very similar outcomes. Okay. Okay. And that's that's why I'm like, look, I think that's just worthwhile saying because it's something that um, a lot of the hardcore proponents of time-restricted feeding just kind of push to the side, Mm. you know. The thing is this, is that some people do find uh, boundaries within a system like – 
easier for them to stay consistent. And this is also the the, pull, the draw card of like why vegan or plant-based sometimes start from the ethical or carnivore or keto or low-carb, no-carb or something has appeal because all of a sudden you have a framework you work with. Like I can't have that. And it helps you make stronger decisions with that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I can't eat this. I can't eat this. I eat this. And so once you start doing that, you're you're kind of speaking from more of a identity perspective. Like you are this person yeah. now, which strengthens resolve, strengthens behavior change. There is some downsides to that because you start putting bad connotations on certain foods. Like, oh, no, that'll make me fat. And it's like it's not, you know, in that portion yeah. it won't. So there's a, it's a very um, convoluted topic there. Um, but here's what I would also say with females particularly because I know most people listening are, mm. I don't do a lot of fasting with female clients. Okay. I don't because like if you look at a female's biology um, – and you're considering it from the lens of uh, optimizing hormones and fertility and things like that, you know, um, it's a, a woman's physique does not like to go with huge caloric deficits, mm. like zero calories, for instance, on a five-day fast. Mm. You know, if you were to do that, you, you I would want to know that there, there was a very robust physiology there. That, that woman's body was Strong. not frail. Yeah. yeah. Great menstrual cycle, really good hormonal panel, symptom-free on a lot of stuff. I'm like, sweet. You tick so many boxes. Go ahead. Yeah. Have some fun. Would I want someone who doesn't tick any of those boxes to go ahead and start fasting? No. Probably not, you know. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what I, what mm. I would say on that. And the other thing is this, is that um, – and it's not specific to females, but, again, broad strokes, I do find it a little bit more often, is that sometimes this time-restricted feeding sets up like binging patterns and stuff like that yeah. as well. Yeah. So you, you don't eat for so long that when you do eat, you don't eat with the – with controlled decision-making, you know, and I hate that. That's really bad. It sets up a very vicious cycle, um, which the people that are in that know too well. I think we were taught that um, back in our Strong Girl days. It's like intermittent fasting. You can eat whatever you want between 12 Mm. and 8. Like go for your life. Exactly. Yeah, wow. And and see – but, but here's the thing, like you may get – the problem is that sometimes you get results in that for mm. a little while until you don't. Mm. And then all of a sudden it's not working and and then also you could be accruing some of the negatives from it as yeah. well. This is why I'm just like, yeah. If, if someone has it very well planned out, kudos to them. I've got no problems. You do you. But as a coach, would I use that as a nutritional strategy, like a behavioral strategy very often? Not really, mm. you know. I do – I use things like that very – much more commonly actually with people during big muscle building phases when we're in purposefully in higher caloric in, intakes to build muscle tissue. And the, these individuals will get tired of it. Like I'm sick of eating so much food. And mm. it's like you will st- – inevitably you do start accruing more digestive disturbances and stuff because it's just a lot of food that has to go in for long periods of time. So we'll do a bit of a, a mini diet or a, a break away from that. And that could involve some fasting. Mm. Um, and that can like just – people might really enjoy that. So so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I would do it. <laughs> yeah, I think females in particular, <clears throat> males' physiology is very different. Mm. You I've know what I mean? From, so you can, yeah. you can really hammer a lot of guys with things like that if you wanted to. Mm. Um, and they, there's a resilience in the way that we handle that kind of stress mm. that is different amongst many females. Yeah. I'm learning more about the female cycles and cycle syncing and hormones and all that and it's – a lady was saying that if you're going to do it, you have to be so specific of the time when you do do it. Because with your cycle. With, with, with your cycle. With fasting? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 Mm. 
Yeah, especially if you had like um, that's what I sort of said. If you didn't have a great menstrual mm. cycle, if you had amenorrhea and yeah. or it was all over the place, or you had um, you just weren't on top of it, it's not my go-to. Mm. Yeah, like, why would you throw that in there? Like your cycle like, at the moment, you couldn't do it. No, no way, no. Mine's like always a little bit late at the moment. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, see yeah. how we go. Yeah. What would you say for anyone who is trying to optimise their life which and their health, the first step would be looking at your day. Like you need it. Obviously for me, as an example, you know, I need to eat more. I need to block out time yeah. to optimise my health. That's number one for people. Yeah. Then it, what would be the next stage? Do you, would you suggest bloods or...? I kind of go through this period of like organization and then habit change. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's it's not what people expect. <laughs> people mm. come and they go, show me the best nutrition plan yeah. and the best training program yeah. and the best supplement program. And I'm like, you know, as you can imagine, if you have an out of control day where nothing goes right and yeah. you don't have these backups, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. Mm. You're not going to adhere to it. Then it's going to be another bunch of money you put down the drain or a bunch of effort for, mm. for no outcome again. And then you're just going to rotate through all these different strategies. So I just need to see that someone has the organizational capacity first and foremost, mm -hmm. and then I'll just get them on that um, understanding behavior change. And the reason I say that is this, it takes away the emphasis on discipline and self-control. And what I'm, they're, they're both very important though. And I'm like, you don't want to create a, never trying to create a weak client. You want really disciplined clients. You want mm -hmm. them to be able to show that. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, when we're talking about fasting, like this is one of the things when I got into fasting that I said was one of the main benefits was I learned how to control my hunger and realize I don't have to eat, eat yeah. just because I'm hungry. Mm. And that for me was, especially as like a fitness kind of bodybuilding background, was like it was kind of like a a very welcome mental and even spiritual kind of awareness for me, you know, to have that kind of discipline and self-control, mm. you know. So, so that, was, that was one of the benefits that I found of fasting. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, so starting with organization, flowing into habit change, like I said, mandatory reading, James Clear's Atomic Habits. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? If you don't want to read it, get the audiobook. If you don't want to read the audiobook, YouTube him. Like just get the shorts and mm. kind of like start knowing how to implement um, things to set yourself up to win. So many people do not set themselves up to win. Yeah. yeah. And then they beat themselves up. Yeah, it's true. You know? Protein at every meal. Yep. Definitely have not been doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Big broad strokes like that, like protein at every meal. What about this, we haven't actually spoken about working out though? I was just going to ask yeah. one thing about going back to protein because we were talking collagen because I know a lot of girls will probably add collagen to their things. Is Does collagen count as protein? It it does as long as you, there's other sort of like sources of protein too. You know as long I mean? as there's steak and… Yeah, yeah. if you have these yeah. other ones as well, like I, it definitely can contribute to your total. So I'm, okay. I'm not so finicky that I'm like, nope, that does, you know, it's not quite what we want. Um, yeah. I think in uh, what what people would actually do, like for a practical standpoint, like they throw in one collagen shake to contribute like 20, 30 yeah. grams to that total, mm. fine, go for it. Okay, great. And then what about training? How often should a female be training and what kind of training? Oh. Because Sarah and I have overtrained oh, our, many years of our yes. lives and only, yeah. say like the last two years, especially this year, we're taking a more slower girl mm. approach to things. Like we're doing a little like Pilates, Reformer, yeah. not so much running and trying to do more weights and resistance. And I think we were talking about it on the podcast a couple of days ago. I think the younger generation is much doing better it than well. what we were. Yeah. We were like, we were in that stage of like boutique fitness gyms, like FE5, Bikram. Yeah. And so how often? Look, I, 
again, like, so there's, there's, it really depends on the context, you know, yeah. for like what you're trying, oh, to, yeah, where, sure. where you are in it, right? Yeah. But what I would say, I would bring it back to what I said before is I do think that there, we have some really great female um, uh, uh, profiles on mm-hmm. different platforms that have actually helped change a lot of this diet culture. Yeah. You know, away from that, right. like, you know, you, that we're aware of like mm-hmm. 10 years ago, it is different now, right? So different. And what that leads to is less, uh, probably less junk style overtraining, like just stuff where people go in and go, oh, I burnt 900 calories on the the cross trainer or this mm. or that. It's like it's kind of not how we yeah. ha- establish a good kind of plan to manage weight, mm-hmm. right? So I do think a certain amount of weight training is a great idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? It helps you with your bone density, helps you with your muscles. Um, it's also a way of like sort of like condensing benefit into shorter timeframes as well. Mm-hmm. I do think aerobic capacity is important too. Like, you know, me, one of the things, you know, as a parent and someone in their 40s now, I'm just like I'm much more uh, aware and value being fit mm-hmm. than I really did in my 20s and 30s. I was okay, but just moving into my 40s and then into my 50s, I want to be really fit. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like that's a big part of like that aerobic training that I want to do, you know, have my heart rate sitting somewhere between 120 to 140 beats per minute, be regular with it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I think to sort of like come back on your question though would be often people that are – think of the pendulum thing I said before, right? Mm. Often if we are way over one end of the spectrum mm-hmm. of the pendulum, sometimes we need to look the other way and go, do I need some of that over there? Yeah. You know, it's really easy for – even myself as like a former bodybuilder and someone who's really focused on strength, just to focus on my strengths, my biases – and forget my mobility or my mm. cardiovascular training. Mm. And you do that for a long enough period of time, it's like you're heading away from that distribution of health benefits. Yeah. You know? And so then you're probably likely to need that other thing. Mm-hmm. So I've said to like, you know, as I've been a part of um, more clients' uh, journeys to fall pregnant, mm-hmm. kind of like working with them to understand, it's like, hey, you can resistance train as well, but what you might like to look at is exploring, you know, something like a Pilates mm-hmm. or something like a like a less intense style of training mm-hmm. as you head through this pregnancy. You don't have to. You can keep resistance training. Mm-hmm. It's just been my observation that a lot of the women that I work with like to start kind of like it, it's like this ratio sort of flips towards the end and it ends up becoming like a really a, a nicer pregnancy sometimes yeah. for some women. You know, it's not the only way. It's just my observation, mm. you know. And that's been great for some. sometimes, you know, the women that I coach are former fitness competitors. So they've always done bodybuilding, you yeah. know, and then all of a sudden they're doing the thing which they probably smirked or laughed at a little bit and going, oh, this is actually really good for me right now. Mm. And I'm like, I'm glad we were open enough to kind of like go and try some of these modalities out. Yeah. So. It's interesting. Yeah. So it's like, interesting. It's so we always talk about the phases of your life and just like with training. It's yeah. so interesting. Like. Because I th- we were brought up in the generation, I think, that if you want to be skinny skinny and long and lean, you do cardio. Yeah. But it wasn't if you want to be. It's like you had to be skinny, yeah. which is the wrong messaging. And mm. it's, I do think it is very different now, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a, it's a nice change in an industry that has a lot of, you know, crappy stuff in it mm. as well, like anything else, that like across the board I think I'm seeing – at least in my experience, more women focusing on better things, you know, better reasons to get their physical health mm. and fitness going. So, Like, for example, how many girls want to grow glutes? Yeah. Like, and back in, like, five years ago, no, you'd be, yeah. you wouldn't want to have a bum. Yeah. You'd want to be flat. And Wanted I'm like, skinny, yes, skinny great. legs. Yeah. 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 I only say that because I was built with a bum. So <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. For everyone who's listening and they're like, 
give me just like one takeaway. If I want to optimize my health, what's something I can do today to start changing it? If, like if it was about the nutrition, I would mm-hmm. say take a note out of my strategy of um, having your backup plans. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just it's so simple that like you know I but it's one of the most successful things that I've seen as my coaching practice has mm. evolved is just realizing that when people budget on their optimal week and that's how they do all of their planning. And I'm like, no, I want you to plan for your worst week. Mm. You know what I mean? Imagine that, you know? And so then we have these systems in place and it's just, it just, it's just consistency over perfection. Yes. You know? yeah. And and so when someone comes and I have a client come and go, Oh, I did that plan D or that plan C. And I'm like, you've, you even lit up about the way you used it. Whereas Previously, you might have looked down and go, oh, Ben, I had to do the sushi because I didn't have my meals prepped. Like, I'm a bad client. Mm. But I'm like, no, now you realize you're actually at a higher literacy. Mm. Like, you problem solved in the middle of that debacle of a day or whatever it is, you know. Um, And so, again, that's just kind of like arming someone with a strategy for long-term success. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go out and buy fish oil. That's what I'm going to do. I was going to say, and go buy that book. (laughs) (laughs) James Clear. Yeah. That is is a life changer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you so much. And where can everyone find you if they loved the chat? Benny Lifts. Benny, Benny Lifts. <laughs> uh, no, you, you, you can find me there. Um, we have our own podcast called Catabasis. Amazing. Uh, as well. Um, what does that mean? Uh, it's actually derived from a Greek word meaning basically the journey within. Oh, I wow. like that. Yeah. No, no one knows how to say it. Yeah. But it, it is a bit of a hard one. But yeah, it's just it's just a we wanted uh, to build a community that was really focused on that inner journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I mean? I like so like oh, that, that rise of the phoenix kind How of. How do you spell Katabasis? K a t a b a s i s. Okay, you said that. Katabasis. No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so my business partner, he's over in New York now. He's actually just moved there, so we haven't interviewed anyone in a while. But yeah, yeah we get on like a lot of different health people. We have actually a lot of. Uh, female health. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I interviewed recently our midwife. So um, my wife and I had two home births and our third oh, wow. was a, uh, a planned cesarean. Yeah. So we've got like a range of different stories with wow. the births and stuff. But yeah, this is the, the midwife that did our home births, Juliana. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got some other uh, experts in the industry for in women's health as well. So oh, wow. have to ch- yeah. definitely yeah. check that out. Link it on the thing. Yeah. And if yeah. anyone wanted to work with you, do they find they oh, absolutely can. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You can find a link. You can inquire um, with myself or my staff. So, mm. Amazing. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. Cool. It's us again. We're back. It's Tully and Sarah. And if you don't know, we have an activewear brand called Tully Lou. And we have Australia's favourite leggings, but not only do we have leggings, we've got hoodies, we've got outerwear. We've got everything that you may need for an active lifestyle. So we want to give you guys an offer. If you've never shopped at Tully Lou, or if you've shopped at Tully Lou, And you just want $15 off your next order. You need to take this offer. And it's TL Cherry, all caps, all one word, and pop that in at checkout and you will get $15 off. So head to our website. It's www.tallyloo.com or head to our Instagram, stalk our page, use the code and let's get you all in some TL. And welcome to the family. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.